What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods coming at y'all with our second episode of SEC in 30 Days. We are joined by Mississippi State beat reporter for 247 Sports and the Starkville Daily and co-host of the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Robbie Folk is joining us today, and I just wanted to say I appreciate you coming on the show, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we got to start with last season, and, you know, it's probably one of the most up and down seasons in the country. You start out with a huge opening win in Death Valley, set the world on fire, set all the SEC passing records that can be set. Then there's three losses by single digits that really could have went either way, a huge bowl win. But then at the end of that, we see the huge brawl between Tulsa and Mississippi State that kind of put a damper on that. But for you, did this season meet, exceed, or fall short of your preseason expectations? I thought it was a little bit below preseason expectations, but I wasn't really sure what my expectations were for that team with a brand-new head coach and Mike Leach. You had no spring football. Everything was kind of limited, and you're implementing a new system. And everywhere he's been, it's taken a little bit to get that air raid going. Uh, I felt like the talent would be better than he's had in the past. And, uh, you know, he had some issues getting those guys on board. And I I thought by middle of the season when he had his players that had really bought into what he was doing and he had gotten, uh, you know, rid of a few malcontents, uh, according to him, a few guys that really weren't bought in and and weren't really going the direction he wanted them to go, I thought they really started to kind of fall into place and become what Mike Leach wanted them to become. And, you know, by the end of the year, you saw a really competitive football team against some solid teams like Georgia and Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, I, I think that they got to four wins, which against a, a, an SEC schedule is is solid. In uh, most years, three or four wins in the SEC is about what Mississippi State fans expect. So I think State fans were willing to let that uh, be kind of a pass for Mike Leach. Now you start moving into where expectations are growing a little more for State fans and they want to start seeing a product on the field that's competitive with, with just about everybody that's putting up some points like the air raid usually does, and the defense to consistently be able to stop good offenses. Right. And if for me, when I look at the season, it was really a tale of two quarterbacks this season. We had K.J. Costello early, then Will Rogers really shine later in the season. This is a two-part question here, so we'll take it one at a time. The first one is, why do you think Costello seemed to struggle after he set every SEC passing record that could be set against LSU in Death Valley? Yeah, that is the million-dollar question. I don't know what happened, but it, he just couldn't uh, get it together after that ball game. I think one of the big things was the zone defenses that he was seeing when he was seeing only three guys come after him and everybody dropping into coverage, and he wasn't able to just kind of throw it up there in one-on-one coverage and let somebody go get it. I think that really kind of startled him a little bit, and it happened against Arkansas. Arkansas was the first team to really do that. And then everybody just followed that same blueprint the rest of the season, and Mississippi State was not able to have a a ton of success through the air. Um, I I think the SEC is a different animal. I mean, uh, I don't think that the defenses in the SEC were what you've grown accustomed to seeing last year. Alabama certainly wasn't a defense that we've been used to seeing from them. Um, you know, LSU was not. So Georgia was right up there with with their usual self. But it's still the SEC, and you still have some of the best athletes in the country out there. 
And I think that that was uh, a little bit of a culture shock for him. You know, he had such a great game against LSU and was never able to put it back together. A lot of interceptions, a lot of mistakes. And uh, I think it just kind of snowballed for him, and he was never able to recover from that. So it, it was a little disheartening to see for a guy that had, had put up a lot of yards at Stanford, had been injured, and was getting a second chance with, with Mike Leach and that offense and had such a huge debut to never be able to, to stack on that was a little disappointing for him, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it just didn't work out. Right. And, I mean, the second one is we saw a lot of flashes of, I think, real potential with Will Rogers later in the season. I mean, going toe-to-toe with JT Daniels and that Georgia team in Athens in, at, in prime time and all, and all could have led Mississippi State to the win there. They, were, they only lost by seven. Do you think he's the guy for Mississippi State moving forward? And what are your expectations for him if he is the guy? Yeah, that's going to be something that's going to have to be worked out in the fall and also moving forward. Right now, I think it's his job to lose. I think he's a guy that plays above his head. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback in the SEC, but he's a he's a guy that's going to play hard every single ball game. He's going to give Mike Leach everything he has. And he understands the system because he ran it, uh, some concepts of it in high school. And his dad's an offensive coordinator in Mississippi and is kind of a Mike Leach guy, a guy that understands that offense really well. He was uh, really good friends with Gardner Minshew. Um, His dad coached Gardner Minshew in high school. So this is not a foreign offense to him. He understands this offense as good as anybody. What's going to be the big test for him, I think, is when the incoming quarterback, Sawyer Robertson, gets into that room because I feel like Sawyer Robertson, who was Mike Leach's quarterback of of the future probably, I feel like you know he's a guy that understands that offense like Will Rogers but might have an upper hand as far as the athleticism and and the arm talent is concerned. So he's going to see an uptick in competition. There's no doubt about it. He has some good competition in the form of veteran Zach Abraham, Jack Abraham, who's from Oxford High School and also from Southern Miss, who's going to be a fifth-year senior that is competing for reps. He didn't come here to sit on the bench and hold a clipboard. He's competing against Will Rogers for that starting spot, and they had good competition in the spring. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but I feel like he got some invaluable experience last year. I really like Will Rogers. Um, He's going to have to take his game to the next level to hold down that spot for the next three or four years because – He's, he's a freshman again. I mean, he, his eligibility is going to be right there with Sawyer Robertson, and those two are going to have to battle each other until one of them probably chooses to transfer somewhere else. So it should be interesting, but I would give Will the edge right now because he has that year of experience under Michael Leach in the system. Right. I really like – Will Rogers, I like what I saw. I, like, I agree with you. If I had to put my money on someone, I think Will Rogers will be the guy who takes the first snap of 2021. Now, what happens after that, it's anyone's guess. But before I get to Mike Leach, that's a huge question that I think everyone knew was coming. I want to talk about this other coordinator, this other coach on the thing. I mean, Mike Leach, everyone said high-flying offense, high-scoring offense. But really what defined this Mississippi State team last year was a huge improvement in defense, a top 50 unit led by Zach Arnett as the D coordinator. There were some rumors that LSU came after him. There were some rumors that he was a head uh, potential head coaching candidate for some group of five jobs. He stuck with Mississippi State, one of the top defense coordinators in the country. What makes him one of the best defensive minds in the country, and how good do you think this defense can be going into 2021? 
Well, I think he's just a, a gym rat type of personality. He's somebody that's studied defenses across the country for years. Um, he, he's coached under some great defensive coordinators. He's uh, kind of taken the playbook of former defensive coordinator at Mississippi State, Joe Lee Dunn, who ran um, the three-man front and the three-three-five, and was in your face every single play, blitzing everybody from every angle. Um, He's a little more complex than that from what I've been able to tell. He's not going to send the blitz, an all-out blitz in every single play. but um, and, he, and he can go multiple at times too. But I've been really impressed with Zach Arnett. First and foremost, just his ability to never be satisfied. I mean, we, we, have, uh, we have media obligations with him, and you try to give his defense a compliment, and he almost snaps back at you like, why are you asking me that kind of question? We haven't done enough. To, to get that kind of praise. So he's never going to accept um, anything short of perfection. And I think that's what makes a great coach. I mean, if you're constantly pushing for perfection, then you're never going to be satisfied. And that's what you see from Zach Arnett. And what you see is what you get. I mean, there, there's been reports that he showed up to the uh, LSU interview in a polo shirt uh, with Ed Orgeron. I mean, it's, he's a guy that just makes no bones about it. He's going to be who he is. Um, he's not going to be anything other than Zach Arnett. So I think Mississippi State fans should just consider themselves thankful that they're going to get this guy for one more year because he's on the fast track to being a big-time defensive coordinator. If not that, being, like you mentioned, a group of five head coach, I think there. I, I would set the odds on him being a, a blue-blood defensive coordinator before I would maybe a Div- Division One head coach. I, I think that's his next move. Up And, you know, there's no question about it. He was being shopped around a little bit by some schools. They were looking to hire him. But he's also a guy that I feel like if he didn't if he didn't get the right uh, timing or didn't feel comfortable with the spot, he's perfectly fine with being at Mississippi State for right now. I mean, it kind of fits his personality. He's a blue collar guy. He likes this place. Uh, So it, it was really special what he was able to do with the personnel that he had last year to be able to kind of piece together a defense of guys that haven't played football in the SEC or that were walk-ons. We saw three walk-ons, I think, on the field late in the season on the defensive line, linebacker, and defensive backfield. The defensive backfield was just kind of, uh, you know, guys that they just kind of threw together back there, whether they were uh, walk-ons or or guys that were lightly used. They were down to third-string guys. And to stay in ball games against high-powering offenses like Georgia and Ole Miss, uh, teams like that, I thought that was incredibly impressive. And it was more than what you could have asked for as a Mississippi State fan last year because you thought Mike Leach was going to be averaging 35 points a game. Uh, so if you got what you got from Zach Arnett last year and you got what you thought you were going to get from Mike Leach, I mean, you're talking about seven wins, seven or eight wins last year, but – you didn't quite get the offense that you needed. But I think state fans will take what they got last year, maybe even a, a little bit more improvement this year, and feel pretty good about what they're going to be putting on the field. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. As long as Arnett stays in Mississippi State, state fans are going to be so lucky. I think he's arguably, like you said, one of the best coordinators out there right now. But this also marked the first year for Mike Leach down in Starkville. Long history of building contenders up, Washington State, Texas Tech, um, a quarterback coach of Oklahoma. What made Leach the guy for the Bulldogs, and what are your expectations for him moving forward? Well, I think John Cohen was looking for a guy that 
was going to instill discipline because uh, people don't realize that Mike Leach seems like this easygoing kind of simple guy at times, but he's an old school football guy. He's a guy that that wants to instill that discipline, and he still believes in a lot of things that um, you know he saw growing up around the game of football. So he's a guy that that has implemented his ways, and if you don't get on board, then you're not going to be on this football team. And we saw, you know, double-digit transfers from Mississippi State. Some of them were their decisions. Some of them were, were his decision. And uh, it got to the point during Joe Moorhead's tenure at Mississippi State where, you know, some of the players were were kind of, uh, I guess, running the team at, at a certain point. Joe Moorhead didn't seem to have full control over that locker room at times. And, you know, there were fights uh, during practice and – you know, I, I've heard the jokes afterwards. You know, Mississippi State was fighting the other team, so it's not like Mike Leach had instilled that much dis- discipline. But uh, I don't think that was a – I thought that was kind of more of an isolated incident, what you'll see out of a Mike Leach team. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like John Cohen wanted to get back a little bit of that discipline and also get back to, to that mentality for Mississippi State of being a hardworking program a team that's going to come in and bring their lunch pail every day and work really hard. And that's kind of what Mike Leach teams do. So, and I think you saw that. I think you saw a little bit of toughness come back to Mississippi state last year. And especially on the defensive side of the ball, I thought they had a little bit more of that uh, swagger to them defensively, even without a full arsenal of players. So I feel like, you know, it seems like a good culture fit fit. Mike Leach kind of fits into to Mississippi state Seems like a Mississippi State guy a little bit. And as far as expectations are concerned, I've always said that it's reasonable enough to expect a lot of the same things from Mike Leach that you expected from Dan Mullen. I think you should expect, with his track record of having power five teams and teams that have been similar to Mississippi State in a geographical sense, uh, a small town, small community, um, somewhat hard to to recruit to at times in comparison to some of the teams in the in the conference. Um, teams that have had to be had to have had to have recruited players that that might be three stars and that you have to develop things like that. I, I feel like he and Dan Mullen are parallel in a lot of those ways, and he's proven that he can win just about anywhere. So expecting you know seven eight wins on average, getting to a bowl game every single year and beating Ole Miss on a regular basis, which is what is expected of Mississippi State fans here, I think that is, is reasonable enough. And I, I, you know, you need to get wins against the teams that you've been competitive against for the most part in, in a series in the past, like Auburn and, uh, you know, even LSU of late, they've been competitive against. I, I don't think anybody's expecting them to beat Georgia and Alabama regularly, but – um, some of these teams that they've been able to compete against in the SEC West in the past ten years, you need to start. You need to win some of those games and and have yourself in contention for middle of the pack to top of the top of the division every single year. Absolutely, and I think you you mentioned that defensive toughness swagger. I mean, being an Auburn grad myself, watching that Mississippi State Auburn game, that was the perfect example. That game was like three nothing all the way up until like the late third quarter and Mississippi state was doing an awesome job on the defensive side of the ball, but building a program, you talk about all these expectations for Mike Leach. It starts with recruiting. We look back at this 2021 cycle, a top 30 class in the country headlined by, you mentioned him earlier, Sawyer Robertson out of Lubbock 
and seven transfers from around the country that should be able to come in and make an immediate impact. What were the biggest positional needs for the Bulldogs this class, though? Offensive and defensive line, getting some of those guys, uh, getting some of the big guys up front, um, that's always important, especially in the SEC, to be able to um, re reload on the offensive and defensive line. And I think uh, Mississippi State tried to do that. And obviously you always got to get your quarterback in each class. I thought wide receiver was was a position that they needed to get some talent um, in here, some guys that have speed, some guys that were uh, really talented pass catchers. They have some of those on campus, but you need more in this kind of offense. When you're throwing the ball around 60 times a game, you got to have guys that can get open and that can catch the football. And it seems simple, but that's how this offense works. Uh, Mike Leach wants to find space in the field where defense defensive players aren't. And to find space, you got to have speed, you got to have agility, and you got to catch the football uh, when it's in your area. So I thought he went out and got some really good wide receivers. Some of the top rated players in the class are wide receivers. Now he lost one to LSU and Malik Neighbors that I thought was going to be a big time pickup for him. But I think he got more than enough guys that can come in and compete right away. Um, and if not right away, then they should be able to compete next season uh, for the Bulldogs. So uh, defensive backs, they, they wanted to get more impact players in the defensive backfield, but it just, for whatever reason, it did not work in this class. I don't know what happened because the 2022 class is shaping up to be a really good one in the defensive backfield for state. They just could not find uh, really good depth in this class in the defensive backfield. They got Jalen Green that transferred from Texas that I think he's going to be a stud uh, at the safety position, but uh, just could not find a lot of cornerbacks and, and safeties to fill that up and tried to get it in the transfer portal and, and with their final two spots. And they just could not find a guy um, – that, that they felt like fit what they wanted. And when they did find them, they weren't able to land him. So I don't know what happened with this class there, but I feel like they're going to be good to go in the next few years. The question is going to be whether or not they'll be able to stay healthy this year. If they're able to stay healthy, I like what they have on the front end. But I, I felt like it was a well-balanced class, and it was one of Michael Leach's best recruiting classes in his entire career, which – it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you look at his recruiting classes at Texas Tech and Washington State, you're talking about averages in the 40s and the 50s. He's going to be able to recruit a little better to, to Starkville because of the lure of the SEC, and he's recruiting from all around the southeast. So it's going to be a lot easier to recruit here than it was at Pullman or in Lubbock, but you're still recruiting against Auburn, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama in the SEC. So – um, it you know, while you might recruit in the top 25, you might be 10th in the SEC. But I feel like recruiting at that level, top 25 in the country, Mike Leach is usually able to get a little more out of his players. I feel like that's a, that's a good area. If he can live there consistently, Mississippi State should be in decent shape. Absolutely. And he mentioned the 2022 class. I believe that's top 20. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, it's really high up there. I mean, I know it's still very early, but even, I mean, official visits started the day we're recording on June 1st. I mean, for Mike Leach and that staff to land that many high-level prospects, is it just shows what kind of recruiting staff he put together. But based on, you know, everything we talked about, there's always breakout players. Will Rogers is someone I think of last year as a breakout guy from Mississippi State. 
What players do you have your eyes on right now as potential breakout guys for this 2021 team? I'm a real big fan of uh, Ladedrick Tulu Griffin. And he, he got a chance late in the season to really kind of show what kind of player he is. But I feel like this is a year that he can really take that next step. Um, he's an electric kick returner and punt returner. And we saw a little bit of what he could do as a wide receiver too. The, the bowl game was really a breakout ball game for him. They just kept kicking the ball to him, and he kept taking it back. So he's he's a player that I think could excel in this offense. I mean, it, what's so interesting about this offense is it's got so many sizes, big and tall, that Mike Leach has been able to put, put out there and create disadvantages for other teams' defenses. And I think Tulu is one of those. He's not a big guy, but he's got great change of direction, and, and he's very quick. Um, so getting the ball in that guy's hands in space is very good for Mississippi State if they can do that. And I feel like with more reps this year, he should be a player that breaks out and could be one of a big one of the big time wide receivers in the Southeastern Conference. We talked a lot about uh, Jaden Wally last year, but this year I think there's going to be a little more focus on him. That opens up the door for guys like Tulu Griffin and possibly you know Malik Heath and players like that at wide receiver for Mississippi State to make some big-time plays. You're starting to put a lot of talent out there on the field at wide receiver, and it's going to be a lot more difficult for teams to focus in on one or two players like they have for Mississippi State in the past. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to see what this offense looks like in year two because, I mean, installing the air raid without spring practice, without summer workouts, with a, with a limited fall install period – that had to be brutal for those first few weeks to try to catch up to what I'm sure how complex Mike Leach's offensive scheme is. But I want to look at the 2021 season. Uh, both of us know SEC West schedule is always going to be one of the most brutal in the country. I mean, you have LSU, A&M, Bama minimum at, uh, on, you know, coming up on the schedule. But you also have two early tests. NC State and Memphis aren't two guaranteed non-conference wins. Those aren't going to be cupcake games, especially NC State. For you, when you look at the schedule, you look at the breakout players, Mike Leach's second year, the defensive uh, productivity that we just talked about, what is the ceiling and or floor for this 2021 Mississippi State team? Yeah, I think ceiling, the absolute top, I think, is nine wins for Mississippi State. It's a tough schedule. Um, You talked about Memphis – and NC State, I mean, Memphis is a team that beat Ole Miss. Um, it has beaten Ole Miss a, a couple of times in the last four or five years. So that's a team that is one of the top group of five teams in the country. Their offense is, is incredibly dangerous. So Mississippi State is going to have to score some points in that ball game. Um, and, and that's early on in the season where you're still kind of working out some kinks. It's going to be hot in Memphis that day uh, for early afternoon ball game. That's good. That's a dangerous game. NC State's a dangerous game. You need to win those non-conference games. Those are always big for me um, in getting bowl eligible. And for Mississippi State, that's kind of the thing for fans is, is making sure you're bowl eligible every year because this is a program that hadn't played in a whole lot of bowl games before Dan, Dan Mullen got here. And now it's it's become – um, an every year thing for Mississippi State, and that's kind of how these fans um, tell you if it's a, a successful season or not. If they're getting to a bowl game, uh, and when you start adding some more wins there, that's how you judge just how successful it was. So 
first and foremost, you got to get to that bowl game. And uh, that means winning six or seven games. So you win four non-conference games and all you got to do is win three more SEC games, which is, is tough enough in itself. But, you know, obviously you got Vanderbilt in there, which I consider a win at this point. Uh, Ole Miss is always a toss-up ball game. That's always going to be tough no matter what. Um, so you can't really call that a win. But uh, you need to win those non-conference games. You need to win some of those those games that are uh, quote-unquote swing games. That Auburn game is going to be tough going back to Auburn now. And that's a that's a team that Mississippi State has struggled with the last couple of years. Um, Texas A&M has – uh, suddenly up, up, upgraded themselves with Jimbo Fisher. Alabama's a loss just about every year. LSU's turned into kind of a toss-up game now, too. Uh, so it it's going to be interesting. There's not a whole lot of givens for Mississippi State this year. I, I'd say the floor for this team should be six wins and, and the ceiling nine. And if you get somewhere in between, you should be pretty happy. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like everyone in the SEC outside of Georgia recently has kind of marked Alabama as a loss. Even me as an Auburn fan last year and even probably this year, I'm just like, yeah, that's a guaranteed L for me. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel that. But, man, I always like ending with this question. So I've been to all these SEC stadiums. I think Starkville and Davis Wade is like one of like the three or four I have to knock off to complete like the SEC circuit. So I'm planning on going soon, but – Starkville was dubbed Stark Vegas back in the day when Dak Prescott and the boys were running through the SEC. So what makes this city, Davis Way Stadium, such a unique environment on game days? I just think it's really just the people and and everybody around Starkville is kind of like, you know, a big family reunion for a lot of people around the state of Mississippi. This is such a small state and, you know, Alabama is kind of the same way, but you look at Alabama and Auburn on a grander scheme, um, really. Those those are those are two towns on game day that don't really seem like you're inside the state of Alabama. They, they've kind of seemed like you're in a big uh, city at that point. I think Auburn's one of the biggest cities in the state of Alabama on game day, if I remember correctly. For Mississippi State, it, it still has that small-town appeal on game day, uh, but when you get on campus, you – Right when you pull on campus, you know you're in an SEC environment. And just getting out and feeling the buzz of a game day, uh, smelling the grills in the junction and, and seeing uh, tents down the junction um, and down Fraternity Row and all that stuff, um, you know, just for, for yards and yards. Uh, it's just a great atmosphere. It's an underrated atmosphere, I think, in, in the SEC. And inside the stadium is is a different kind of environment that, I haven't experienced anywhere. Um, you know, the, a lot of people talk about the cowbells. And, and really, whenever you're in the middle of a ball game and and the cowbells are all in unison, it doesn't sound so much as, you know, a bunch of cowbells. It's just noise. I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a mass of noise. And uh, it's an experience that I think everybody in college football should enjoy um and it's not as bad as people think it is i i consider one cowbell ringing uh by my ear worse than fifty-five thousand. to be honest with you i i absolutely hate the sound of a single cowbell but it's for some reason every one of them in unison is okay for me i don't i don't understand that, how that works but 
it's a great environment. Um, I'm really looking forward to it getting back to full capacity and seeing what it's like for that Louisiana Tech game uh, because there's been just some unbelievable environments um, in the past, t- you know, eight years or so that uh, Davis Wade Stadium has hosted since enclosing that end zone. Um, going back to 2014, that Auburn game was probably one of the greatest environments I've ever experienced in an SEC football game. It was just uh, – it was special. And uh, there's there's some special moments, I think, coming this year for Mississippi State inside Davis Wade because people are just going to be excited to be back in full capacity and be back in an SEC game again. So I definitely encourage you to come check it out. Um, you, you should come see uh, a Mississippi State game when they play Auburn at some point. I promise you that um, you'll enjoy yourself. The fans are friendly. They're going to treat you like one of their own, uh, except for inside the uh, the four quarters of football. So um, I think you'd enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw them play. So now I'm at K State now. I saw I saw Mississippi State play when they came up here just a few years back, but I was actually planning on coming to the Mississippi State Auburn game this this past year if, like, fans were allowed and everything, but then also my sister's graduation was that day, so I feel like the family would have been a little pissed off at me if I would have picked that game over that, but, yeah, I got it on my list, man. I don't think there's a, cel- a celebration or, like, a tradition like the Cowbells that's more controversial than, like, the Cowbells. Every fan I talk to, they're like, I hate those Cowbells at Mississippi State that's, like, but, it, hey, it works. It's loud. Like you said, it's a bunch of noise. That's what you want for an SEC environment. So I appreciate you coming on here, man. You know, we, we've had a few people from 247 come on the podcast as we've been doing this team across the conferences. I tell our listeners, best sites out there in terms of college football coverage. So where can they find you? Where can they find your podcast, your social media, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you can find me at MississippiState.247sports.com. Um, we have a, a great crew of guys that, that cover Mississippi State. We are the source for Mississippi State sports. Uh, we, we break just about every news there is imaginable. We're the only people that cover recruiting on this beat. So um, we have a great collection of guys. We, we merged the scout site and the 247 site together, and that scout site's been around for 25 years. So um, you, you got a group of people that – Love covering Mississippi State sports, and we've all been here for a long time, so we're uh, entrenched here at Mississippi State. So if there are state fans out there listening, you need to come check us out. You can follow me at RobbieFalk247 on Twitter. Uh, I also cover high school sports and some Mississippi State sports for the Starkville Daily News. So I'm dipping my toes into just about everything here in Starkville. And um, myself and Brian Haydad, I just joined him this week um, for the first time on his podcast that is well-established in Mississippi State called Thunder and Lightning. And um, uh, in my opinion, it's it's one of the best podcasts out there covering SEC sports. So um, you guys need to – if you're a fan of SEC sports, you need to come check that out. We're doing something similar to this. Uh, this week, starting this week, we're covering every single SEC team. Um, I think just about every day we're going to start off with Arkansas on uh, Wednesday. So – uh, we're gonna we're about to start dipping into college football as well, and uh, we're talking some college baseball too. So you can check that out on on Apple's or or wherever you get your podcast, Thunder and Lightning. Yeah, guys, go check it out. Uh, make sure to subscribe to uh, Robbie's podcast, man. 
I can't get enough SEC football content out there, man. It's arguably the greatest conf- conference out there. Always something going on. So, guys, make sure to check Robbie out. Y'all know where to find us. Subscribe on YouTube, any and all podcast streaming platforms. We kicked it off with Auburn yesterday, Mississippi State right now, and and uh, later next week we're going to continue with Arkansas next week. Got awesome guests lined up for that. But, guys, for Robbie, myself, and the Blue Bloods, we are out. <laughs>